All right, I want you to grab your Bibles with me. I want you to turn to John chapter 20. We're in a series entitled A.D., and we're talking about what happened beyond the resurrection, watching how the story unfolds with Jesus and the disciples. Uh, How many of you watched the series A.D. last week? I hope you enjoyed it, man. I am all in. I I I was really enjoying it. My kids were like, on the couch. My son was like, do not start that without me. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) So uh, we had a great time. Saw a lot of interesting things. Um, Some things I was expecting, some things that I weren't, that that I wasn't, excuse me. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, (laughs) yes, it happens every now and then. Um, I I don't know if you saw the, the guy's with the, the little short daggers, the little small swords, knives, and they were walking through kind of stalking the Roman soldiers. Uh, how many of you remember seeing those guys? They, called, they referred to them as zealots at one point, and they were trying to convince the disciples to join them. These guys were actually called daggermen, daggermen, and uh, we believe that Judas Iscariot was a, was a daggerman before he became a follower of Christ. And what they did was they were trying to overthrow the Roman government, and somehow what they would do is carry these knives or daggers underneath their uh, clothing and they would run up behind a Roman guard and they would stab them and then run screaming through the streets uh, proclaiming Yahweh and God and the Messiah is coming and all this stuff. Um, and, and so that's what they were doing. That's why the Roman guards were staring them down and watching their backs when they were around. So if you're wondering, but I, I thought that was just fascinating that they added that to the, to, the, to the movie and we got a picture of what was going on. Don't forget to watch tonight. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you have Dish Network, it should be on primetime, I believe. So uh, if you don't have Dish, I don't really know what to say. If you've got DirecTV or cable, I, I don't even know how to talk to you. It's like talking to people that don't have an iPhone. I, don't even, I, I start to question everything about you. <laughs> All the iPhone people are like, yes, everybody's like, Pastor, why you got to do me like that? So anyway, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, make sure you watch tonight. We'll show a clip later in the service. But Jesus is resurrected on, on what we now know as Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And for 40 days, he is on the earth. For 40 days, he's walking and appearing to different followers, different groups of people. Uh, he's doing miracles. And, and we, we, learn a, there's, we learn a lot of stuff about uh, Jesus, about his resurrected body. We also learn about what life will be like for us once we too have, re- uh, have gone on to be with Jesus. And so that we learn a lot of stuff in, in these next 40 days before Jesus ascends into the heavens. There's a, de- de- depending on who you study, there are 10 appearances of Jesus over the next 40 days. There were 40 amazing days uh, where after these 40 days and, the, and then another 10 days when the Holy Spirit fell, they, they turned the world upside down. Ten appearances. First of all, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene outside the tomb. Uh, then Jesus appeared to several other women outside the tomb. Thirdly, he appeared to Peter. Uh, we know this because Paul tells us and one of the other gospels refer to, refers to it, though we don't have an account of what was said there. Fourthly, uh, Jesus appears to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. As they're walking along, talking about the events of the day, Jesus shows up. I may talk to you more about that next Sunday. 
And then the fifth appearance was when Jesus steps into the room and there are 10 of the disciples. Thomas was not there. And of course, Judas had already betrayed Jesus and hung himself at this point. And so on, on that, on resurrection Sunday evening, Jesus just walks into the room and appears. The doors are locked and he just steps through the wall, shows up. Well, um, later that night, Thomas comes back and he's upset and he didn't get to see Jesus. And so he makes his famous statements. We'll talk about those later in the sermon. But uh, eight days later, we see where Jesus shows up again. And he's again with the disciples. This time, Thomas is there. It's where he says, uh, Thomas, look at the nail scars in my hands. Put your fingers in my side where the spear went in. It's me. And so that was the next appearance of Jesus. And then from there, there's a several-week period where we see uh, Jesus appears to his disciples while, he's fish- while they're fishing. This is where he says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Then tend to my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my lambs. And, and so that's one account. We also see where Jesus appears to over 500 men at one time. 500 men at one time. Uh, we see where... Jesus appears to James, and then finally his ascension where he ascends into the heavens. You know, at the cross, the disciples were broken, and they were hurting, they were scared, and they were confused, and they were hiding for their lives. One of the reasons I'm just loving AD is because we, we, we are getting a picture of what it was like. They were hiding, the doors were locked, the windows were closed, they, they, were, they, were, uh, they had cloaks over their faces because they knew they were running for their lives. These men didn't just hate Jesus, they hated the people that had been following Jesus and working with Jesus and, uh, and, and doing, seeing miracles with Jesus, they hated them all. Uh, and, and so... Uh, These guys were confused, they were messed up, but that all changed for them the moment that Jesus walked into the room. And and that's what I want to talk to you about today. What would happen if Jesus walked into the room today? What would happen if Jesus stepped into your home? You can have the doors locked, you can have the the windows up or down and and the blinds closed and the alarm system on, but what would happen if Jesus just stepped in? What would happen if Jesus stepped into your business this week? What would happen if Jesus stepped into your marriage tonight? What happened if Jesus stepped in while you were going to the doctor this week? What would happen if Jesus walked into your room? I promise you this, everything would change. I'm going to give you three things that we see uh, happen in, in just a couple of these appearances when Jesus stepped in. First of all, in John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, this is Resurrection Sunday, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. First thing that happens when Jesus steps in the room is he says, peace 
be with you. When Jesus walks into the room, peace is present. It's the first thing that Jesus said. He doesn't say hi. He doesn't say, what's up, guys? How's it going? I know you're a little worried. No, no, no. He just walks in and just says, peace be with you. And, and the reason this is so important is because Jesus is peace. Like when he walks in, he has no choice but to bring peace with him because he is peace. When he steps into your room, when he steps into your life, peace comes in. I I love what Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says when Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. And watch this. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, get this. These guys are confused. They do not understand. They thought they had this Jesus thing figured out. They thought they had it figured out that, oh, he's the Christ. Remember, Peter had said, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. They thought they knew. Now Jesus is gone. He's died. They buried him. We're not talking about something that they read on Facebook. They buried him. They saw the spear go in his side. He was dead. And now he's standing before them. This is confusing. Just just think to yourself. You bury someone on Wednesday morning. You watch them go into the ground. And on Wednesday night, you're having dinner. And all of a sudden, they're standing before you. Jesus is kind of wise because he knew they don't understand. So let me, let me lead with this. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. When you don't understand, peace be with you. I don't know where you are in your life, what situation you may be going through. When you don't get it, you don't know, and you don't have all the answers. Paul said, before you get the answers, peace Jesus said, before I tell you anything that's going to be happening, before I tell you what's going on, let me just lead with this. Peace be with you. Because Jesus is peace and he wants to help you. Let's just put all that to rest. Then I can talk to you. Because when anxiety has taken over and worry has taken over and our emotions are flying everywhere, we make bad decisions. We don't get it. We lose our faith. We lose our trust. So Jesus said, let's just start this thing off right. Peace be with you. I love that about Jesus. Here's here's what uh, Isaiah said of him. Isaiah said that he is the Prince of Peace. Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians uh, 3 and 16, May the Lord of Peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. May the Lord of Peace, his name is Jesus Christ, step into your life this week. And wherever you're, whatever you're going through, that it's getting a little out of whack and it's getting a little bit of work. And the devil is creeping in with anxiety and stress and doubt. Peace be with you. Peace be with you today. Don't get caught up in understanding until you get first get peace. Peace from on high is a signal that the Prince of Peace has stepped into your life. We don't always need answers. We don't always need a miracle. Sometimes we just need peace. Answers are coming. Miracles are well, they're on their way. But we just need 
peace. We just need a little bit more of Jesus. When we get peace, we can see more clearly. We can hear more readily. We can understand more quickly. We can get back on track if we could just get a little bit of peace. And then he shows them the scars in his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now now watch. He steps in. Their eyes must have been as big as saucers. He says, peace be to you. He shows them that. They realize, okay, this is Jesus. (laughs) They're glad. We see the Lord. All right, we've got a recognition here. And then he says to them again, peace be with you. Now, I find this fascinating. In their confusion and their lack of understanding in the midst of their problem, he says, peace be with you. Now the solution shows up and he says it again, peace be with you. When I was a kid, I, I grew up loving sports. It didn't matter the sport. You know this about me. Baseball, football, basketball. And the dream is to be in the World Series, game seven, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, down by three, and you're at the plate. And what do you want to hit? A home run, a grand slam. You want to walk off to win the whole thing, right? If it's football, I used to, Joe Montana still is, the best quarterback of all time. And I love everybody else, but Joe Montana is the man. And, and so I grew up practicing Joe Montana to Jerry Rice. Super Bowl's on the, on the line and John Elway thinks he's got it. No, no, no. You drop back and you throw the touchdown pass. And, and that's the way I grew up dreaming of being in that moment where, where you had a problem, but you could step up and be the solution, right? And then you track along. And you find yourself in a little league game, and it's bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the inning, and you're down, and you come up to the plate. And you know what? Nerves kick in. (laughs) I coach girls and boys a lot, and you see it. They walk up to the plate, and you can see it in their eyes. They are about to lose it. They've been dreaming of it. They've been practicing, but here it is. Here's the chance. And suddenly nerves and anxiety, and and you have to tell them, take a couple of swings. You got to work some of that nerve out because I'm telling you what, their hands are shaking. They're going, they're all jumping. My daughter looks at me and goes, I just want to hit the ball so bad, daddy. Relax. You know why? Because For these disciples, they didn't know, they were confused, they had a major problem. Jesus shows up, but now the deal has changed. Now Jesus really is the Christ. Now everything they were hoping for and believing for is coming to pass, but now they've got to go out and change the world. Now they've got to do something with it. And sometimes the solution brings as much anxiety as the problem does. Sometimes being the one in the box with two outs is as hard as sitting on the sideline and wondering, uh, man, I wonder if anybody else can do it. I've got a problem. We need to win this game. Sometimes it's hard being the one. And when Jesus shows up with the solution, first he said, for, to your problem, peace be with you. And now that we, you, you see a little bit about what's going to happen, this is really me, I'm alive, just so you know, peace be with you. When, you're, when you've been praying for God, I, I want to start a business. 
I want to start a business. I don't want to work for the man all my life. I want to start a business and I want to be a business owner and I've got an idea and I've got a calling and you pray about it and you pray about it and I wish I just need money and I just need the right opportunity and I just need the right employee. I just need the office. I just need this or I just need that. And we pray and we're worried and then we're building up to it and all of a sudden Jesus steps in and says, peace be with you. And all the things fall into place but now you've got to step out there on the water. You've been telling everybody, if I could be the boss, I would fix this company. And now you're the boss. And Jesus says, peace be with you. If I could get that opportunity, I could do it. I could do something with it. Jesus, if you gave me a chance to go to the mission field, I would preach to, I would preach to the cannibals. And then Jesus says, come on, let's go preach to them. Peace be with you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus recognized this. For the, for the problem, peace be with you. And when the solution shows up and it's your turn, peace be with you. When Jesus steps into your room, peace is present. And I'm speaking this over your life today. Peace be with you. And we find Jesus steps in and says, peace. Eight days later, when Jesus walks into the room again, he says, peace be with you. Because you know why? We can get peace for today, but peace will leave us if we're not careful. You say, well, I used to have peace, but I've lost it. No problem. Jesus stepped in the room the next time and said, peace be with you. So wherever you are, you don't have to be ashamed if you used to have it and you bragged about being at peace, but now the situation changed and you're a little confused again. Don't worry about it. Here's what Jesus told me to tell you today. Peace is with you. Peace is with you. Well, the second thing we see uh, when Jesus walks into the room, and I, I love this. John tells us this story in a few words, but Luke gives it to us in a few more details in chapter 24. First of all, I, I, I love this. Luke tells us that when Jesus walked in, he says, peace be with you. Why are you worried? Why are you afraid? And he addresses all this stuff. And then Jesus says, I'm hungry. Do you have anything to eat? Now, here's why this is encouraging to me. Because I like really good food. And I was a little worried that in our resurrected bodies in heaven, we wouldn't get to eat anymore. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to eat all the sweets and all the sugar and all the donuts and all the Mexican food I can eat. And I'm going to still have an eight pack. My resurrected body is going to look a lot better than this one. And I'm going to eat everything I want to. And I'm going to drink Dr. Peppers and Kool-Aid all the time. And I don't even care what you think about me. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, he steps in. And, and I love what Jesus says. Luke 24 verse 49. And behold... I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. Now remember, um, John said it to us like this. Uh, receive the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. These guys are referring to the same conversation that Jesus had. But watch. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Kick back now and remember what's going on. The people in Jerusalem are hunting them down and wanting to kill them. There is a fight going on. In AD, the zealots came to them and said, join us. And the other guys were like, man, I think we should leave. 
And, and Jesus says to them, here, here's what he says. When Jesus showed up in the room, he said, don't leave, but stay in the fight. Do you know what? When, when the battle gets hot, there's, there's our fight or flight that kicks in. And Jesus said, don't let your flight kick in, but I want you to stay in the fight. So, but there's no power yet. And I, and I love this. There's no power yet. They are fighting without the miracle. That word power there is the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. And every time I, every time I think this, I just I think of them, uh, dynamite. You know, I think of JJ saying dynamite. If you're under 30, you're, you're sitting here going, what you talking about, Willis? And you still don't know what's going on. But anyway. Um, but, but here's the thing. It's, it's, it's dynamite, miraculous power that comes with the Holy Spirit. But for 50 days, Jesus says, don't leave, stay in the fight, but you're going to have to do it without power. Now, this is encouraging to me for two reasons. Number one, I've been in a situation or two in my life where I felt like I was fighting with no power. I felt like I was working hard and wasn't getting anywhere. I, I felt like I was fighting demons all by myself. I was going through it, and, and I'm just wanting to throw up my hands and say, forget it. I'll, I'll just go away. I'll just run. I'll just go do something else. This whole deal isn't worth it. And Jesus looks at me, and he says, stay in the fight. Miraculous power is on its way. Stay in the fight. I want to encourage you today. If you've been thinking about backing out, don't back out. Stay in the fight. Power is coming. Your miracle is coming. Your answer is coming. The solution is on its way. Don't give up now. Stay in the fight. I encourage you, stay in the fight. Keep believing, keep fighting, keep praying, keep seeking God. Keep getting back in, keep getting back up, keep worshiping, keep reading your word. Stay in the fight. Miraculous power is coming your way. I don't know where I am on my notes here. <laughs> don't leave. Keep holding on. Power is coming. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. You're going to turn the world upside down. You're going to change everything. Your family is going to look different. Your marriage is going to look different. Your business is going to look different. Your kids are going to look different. Your friends are going to look different. Your house is going to look different. Your car is going to look different. Everything's going to look different. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Number three. I'm Number three. Here we go. When he walks into the room, what happens? First of all, when he walks in the room, peace is present. Peace comes in. Number two, when he walks in the room, don't run. Don't run. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. He said, don't leave. Stay in the fight. And number three, we, uh, we, John 20, verse 24 and 29. Now, Thomas was one of the 12 called the twin. Was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands, the mark of the nails, and I place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. And eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And again, the doors were locked. But Jesus came and stood among them and said, here it is again, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? 
put out your hand. Place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. I want to show you a clip, and this time we were able to download it, so it shouldn't stop in the middle. But I want to show you a clip of AD, and it is this scene. And, and uh, I, want you to, I want you to get in it with me before I share this last point with you. I believe it's going to touch your life today. Uh, but let's roll this clip to AD. Thomas! Rabbi! You won't believe the journey I've made to get back. I was convinced I was being followed. And then I became confused and couldn't remember which was the right street or the right house. It was only when I saw... What? Jesus. I know. No. Thomas. He was here. What? Jesus was just here, in this room. He broke bread with us. Are you playing a sick joke on me because I'm the last to get back? No. So Jesus... was here with you all? Yes. What kind of fool do you take me for that I would believe a story like that without proof? What kind of opinion must you have of me to believe I'd be so easily duped? Thomas. It's the truth. Enough! I haven't slept for two nights. I've barely eaten. It was all I could do to come back at home. Thomas, stop this now! Go to the tomb and see for yourself. See with your own eyes. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in them. Unless I put my hand in the spear wound itself, I will not believe. You think he's dead? And this is finished? What else? The truth. Mary. Go to the tomb. Temple guards are resealing the tomb. Why would they do that? To pretend his body remains inside. Kill any rumors that he's risen. Now do you believe, Thomas? We saw him. Each one of us touched him. Sat with him, ate with him, laughed with him. But I did not. How can each of us be mistaken in exactly the same way at exactly the same time? Thomas. you have seen for yourself you believe <laughs> blessed are they who have not seen me and still believe 
This is a, this is a powerful scene. Throughout history, we have dubbed Thomas Doubting Thomas. Because he said to the other disciples, and you just saw it, unless I see the nails in his hands, the scars in his hands, and the scar in his side, I will not believe. I refuse to believe. I will never believe. And so we've called him Doubting Thomas. And they said to him uh, in, the, in the movie, do you believe? No. How can we all be mistaken in exactly the same way, in exactly the same time? He refused to believe unless he saw it for himself. But is it fair that we call him Doubting Thomas? Flashback just a minute with me to John chapter 11. And there's only uh, four mentions of Thomas in the Gospels. The first is when uh, the, the Gospels list the disciples, and Thomas, of course, is one of them. But none of the other three Gospels mention Thomas. But John mentions him two other times. John chapter 11, Jesus is saying, I've got to go back and heal Lazarus. At this time, they, they were trying to kill him. They were trying to stone him in Jerusalem. And so the disciples are saying, hey, we don't want to go back. They're going to try to kill you. And Jesus says, man, I've got to go. And it's Thomas who stands up and says, hey, we're going with Jesus even if we go down there and die with him. That doesn't sound like a doubter to me. That sounds like a believer. Three chapters later in John chapter 14, Jesus has just predicted, predicted that they will all fall away and that Peter would deny him three times. And then he says, I'm, I'm going away to prepare a place for you and, and you will know how to get there. And Thomas looks up and says, Jesus, man, I, I want to follow you. But I don't even know where you're going. How can I know the way if I don't know where you're going? And Jesus responds with one of the greatest statements in the entire Bible. And he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. This was an important question. Thomas wanted to know. And Jesus responded. Thomas's question unlocked something in Jesus. We fast forward now, and we find Thomas doubting. I, I can't believe unless I see it. I, I can't believe unless I see what happens. And we have defined Thomas by one bad moment in his life. But if we back up to Mark chapter 16, verse 10 and 11, Mary Magdalene, who was the first to see Jesus, comes and tells the disciples. Watch what happens. She went and told those who had been with him, the disciples, as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen with her, watch. They would not believe. We're hating on Thomas and calling him Doubting Thomas because he wouldn't believe unless he saw it. But they didn't believe either. John 20, I read this verse to you here in just a few moments ago when we started out. Verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Watch the next little four-letter word. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They didn't believe when Mary came in and told them. He showed them the nail scars in his hands and the, and the piercing in his side. Then they saw and they were glad. Now wait a second. Why should we hate on Thomas and call him, why don't we call him the doubting disciples? Furthermore, why should John even mention Thomas? Because 
they were all struggling with this problem. The disciples didn't believe Mary. Thomas didn't believe the disciples. Other wouldn't, others wouldn't believe them. But Thomas had been defined by one bad moment. He didn't do anything besides what the others have done. No other gospel mentions him. But John goes on in verse 30 to tell us something very important. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. Watch this, verse 31. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote his gospel not so he could give you every detail of Jesus' life. He just said, Jesus did so much, we can't even get it in, we couldn't even record it in all the books. But he wrote his disciples, he wrote his gospel so that others would believe in Jesus. Believing is the core theme throughout the gospel of John. You find it from the beginning all the way to the end. Uh, he said, so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. He uses the term believe nearly twice as much as all three other gospels combined. In fact, Jesus, John gives us seven miracles of Jesus in, the book, in his book. Seven signs. He said, I'm calling them signs. Why? Because I want you to believe in Jesus. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would have everlasting life. He goes on in verse 17, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is already condemned. John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from him. Eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. John 8, 24, if you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. We find this theme running throughout the entire gospel of John. It's all about believing. So when we get to this point, understand, for John, the cross, the crucifixion, and the resurrection were not the climax of John's story. It was believing. Thomas was the climax of his story. Why did John write about Thomas when no one else did? Because he was setting us up for the story we just read. Because John was writing his gospel to people he knew would be struggling to believe. They would have heard the stories Maybe they were afar off and they weren't in Jerusalem. Maybe they were somewhere way far away. Uh, and they heard the stories of Jesus and they had heard how he had died but been resurrected. And he was writing a story to them and say, listen, you got to believe. you got to believe. you got to believe. Thomas was the climax of his story because he wanted us to relate to someone. He wanted to have someone for us to get and say, you know what? I need to see Jesus too. I've heard miracles in other people's lives. I've heard their story. I saw their testimony on the video. They were talking to everybody about it in the foyer. But I haven't seen Jesus for myself. John was writing to you and said, I'm doing my best to give you all I can to tell you how it was for them. And yet they believed. Jesus looked at Thomas and he said, Thomas, don't disbelieve, just believe. But Jesus never rebuked Thomas, not before he answered his questions. 
want you to remember this. Jesus didn't walk into the room and say, Thomas, what could I do to make you believe? Because Jesus already knew. Jesus had already heard Thomas say, unless I put my fingers in the scars, I'll never believe. Unless I put my hand in his side, I'll never believe. So when Jesus walked in the room, Thomas didn't know that he had heard him, but Jesus had already heard him. And he just said, peace be with you. Now put your hands right here so you can believe. When you've been going through tough times, you didn't think anybody was listening. If Jesus heard Thomas, he heard you. He heard you. Pastor Rennan, seems like God answers all your prayers, not as fast as I'd like him to. But Pastor, he he doesn't hear me. Jesus hears your cry. He hears your cry. When he shows up, he knows exactly what you need. Will you believe? He didn't rebuke him, he just said, here. Then he said, don't disbelieve, but believe. The word disbelieve there is a specific Greek word that he chose. It means to be unfaithful, faithless, unbelieving, or having lost your trust in God. Here's what I say to you today. Don't disbelieve. Don't lose your trust in God. Don't lose your faith in God. Don't be faithless and unfaithful and turn away, but stay strong and keep believing. Because here's what he said to Thomas. You have seen, because you have believed because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet they have believed. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can believe before you see, there's a great blessing coming for you. If you can build your faith based off the words of John and the word life of Thomas, if you can get a hold of something. Jesus, I'm going to believe in you. And it hasn't happened yet, but I'm not going to be faithless and I'm not going to be unfaithful to you and I'm not going to lose trust in you, but I'm going to keep holding on until I see. In spite of the fact that others may, it may have happened for others, but I'm just going to use that to build my faith. I'm not going to be discouraged and I'm not going to disbelieve, but I'm going to allow it to fuel my flames of belief that you can come through for me. I was, about a month ago I was driving down the road and I was listening to the song we sang earlier when he walks into the room and God birthed this message in my heart I've been waiting on today to share it with you because I, I believe that this is a day marked on the calendar of heaven I didn't tell my wife I didn't tell a whole lot of people I just said this God I'm just I'm, I, whenever you say I'm ready to go and I, and I knew that today was the day I woke up this morning I was gone all day yesterday. My daughter was playing in a softball tournament. My wife, as soon as I got out of the shower today, she said, Renan, I've got to tell you, I've had an incredible encounter with God today. I had a vision, a dream last night that God spoke to me, and I I want to share it with you. It was a little confusing, but I think I understand what it means. And, And she said, I was here in this campus, and she said, suddenly there was a fire in another part of the building. And I took off running, and I, and she said, it's a fire. So I was supposed to think something was wrong, but it didn't feel like anything was wrong, but yet there was a fire. She said, Randon, it was like God was trying to get my attention for some reason. She said, when I woke up, I, I opened uh, her, she opened her Bible, and she opened a book by Ivan Tate, Letters uh, from the Father, or Letters from God, whatever it is. And she said, I woke it up, opened it up to Exodus chapter 2 and Exodus chapter 3, when the, the children of Israel were in bondage and they were in slavery, and they had been crying out to God. And at the end of chapter 2, he says that God heard their cries, and he acknowledged them, and he knew. And at the beginning of chapter 3, his response to them, to let them know there was an answer on the way, was he, there was a fire in a burning bush. 
And here's what God said. She said, she said, Randon, I'm telling you, God told me that the fire was a signal that he's ready to walk into the room. I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in your life, whatever you're going through, don't disbelieve, just believe. When Jesus has walked into the room, peace be with you. Don't run, but stay in the fight and just believe. Just hold on. Today, I've been sent to encourage you and share with you. Say, God is about to do something great in your life. Power is coming. Miracles are coming. Your time is coming. I want to pray with you, and then our host is coming. If you say, Pastor Renan, I'm, I'm going through a situation in my life. I'm going through some stuff here, there, whatever it might be. And you say, at some point in the message, something has spoken to you. Maybe you need peace. Maybe you've been thinking about running. Maybe you've been thinking about giving up and throwing, the, throwing in the hat. But when I said stay in the fight, something, something just came alive in you. Just, just something that said, oh, that was for me. That was the Holy Spirit today. And you say, well, Pastor Ryan, I've been struggling with my faith. I, just, I, just, I don't know if I can believe. I've seen it for others, but I don't know. The word for you today is don't disbelieve. Just believe. If any three of those are you, would you stand with me? I want to pray with you this morning. If you're watching online, I want to pray with you. Whatever's going on, whatever your situation may be, it doesn't matter. I just want to pray with you. I want to release this word over your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for every person who's come here today to hear from you in need of a word from you. And you have been so faithful to send a word, to send a word to me, to speak into my heart and in the hearts of these people, Lord God. Lord, I speak a word of peace that the Prince of Peace, that the God of Peace would step into their lives today. Whatever's going on, peace, peace, peace that passes all understanding. Father, for those that were thinking of running, that were thinking of giving up, that were thinking of giving in, Lord, I pray that you'd give them the courage to stay in the fight. Even when it looks like miracles aren't happening and nothing is changing, stay in the fight for miracles are on their way. Father, for those that are struggling with their belief, and they're like Thomas, said, I need to see something. I need to feel something. I need to know. God, I pray that today would be an encouragement to them, that something would leap inside of them that says, that word was for me. That burning bush was for me. I'm taking it as a sign. I will be faithful, and I will continue to trust in you. I will believe. Lord, now send miracles, open doors, change situations, heal, touch, do what you can. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.